Um, brilliant. How's everyone doing? Yeah. So I just know what's about to happen here. Um, I must say, it's you guys uh, wish youth. There is youth. Ollie, do you want to wave? If you are what age, Ollie? 11 to 80, and you want to go to youth? Uh, come on, let's go. Ollie, just follow him there. Let's give them a round of applause. Who's excited? Ollie, and there's Molly as well, hey? Yeah, so it's, yeah, let's give Molly a round of applause. <laughs> let's give everyone a round of applause. Let's give Caleb a round of applause. Uh, <laughs> uh, come on. This is good. This is good. Um, I'm going to go for it, guys, if that's okay. Uh, I haven't preached in about six, I think it's like six, seven weeks uh, now, which has just been fantastic. And it's been so nice to be fed in the church, you know, with people kind of think, and I always wanted to be part of a church where you empower others to do the works of Christ. And, you know, we do this as a body. It's not just a one-man show and all of that. And it's just been so amazing watching the giftings in this church flourishing and just doing really well. Like Tim, uh, where's Tim? Your preaching gift is absolutely incredible. And I keep saying it from the front because you do have a gift, my friend. And sometimes I think what happens in church, people get stuck in one category of church life, uh, one area of service, um, but you are able to jump across every kind of area. So you're like Mr. Miyagi. You can do whatever needs to happen. So, bro, I'm really, honestly, it's a privilege to sit under the, the teaching when you preach, and I've always feel challenged and benefited. Brad, you smashed it as well in the finance series. Can I just encourage you, please go back and listen. Paul, um, where's Paul? Is he out? He's a kidsman. Well, we're, we're on him just now, but Paul, I was just listening to a sermon from last week, and it's just, it's, everyone's so different, don't you think? And I love that about True Life Church. It's not, it's not our, our, our sameness that's our strength, it's our difference within unity, what Mark was saying, and it, it's, it's so true. It's like, we're not trying to be each other. Sometimes you go to a church, everyone sounds the same, looks the same, is, you know, dressed the same, and all of that. I don't really want to dress like you guys. I'll be honest, you know. My wife will choose what I wear anyway, so I don't have a choice in the matter. But I want to be part of a church where our diversity is a strength within unity. Not trying to conform to the image of each other, but to conform to the image of Christ. And yes, we will pick up some things that might look the same, or we have inside jokes as a church, whatever it is. But ultimately, we want to celebrate what God is doing here. And I'm so encouraged by the potential in this church, because when you look at potential and you look at the future of a church, it's a young people coming through that excites me. Because True Life Church was planted to reach millennials and Gen Zs. That was the reason we saw a gap where people are struggling to reach this upcoming generation. And the reality of it, some of the older folk in the church say, well, what's my place? Well, did you know that we have one of the biggest fatherless generations, motherless generations in the world right now today? And if you don't think you can see a place for yourself in this church where, yeah, the music might be louder than you like it. Come on. <laughs> That's because of that millennial or Gen Z. I, I'm going to put you in Gen Z, so you're not my generation. But, I, <laughs> but that's because I'd rather have sore ears and be reaching a generation than have my ears intact when I'm old and be able to hear everything but have a deficit of no churches in the world because we haven't re reached the upcoming generation. Because if you didn't notice this, if we don't reach this future generation, if we don't get a heart for the house of God, for the local church, we're in big trouble. The church is dead if we don't reach this upcoming generation. 
So if you want to come to True Life Church, if you have any other agenda other than to reach a generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is the wrong place for you. It's not about us. It's not about keeping us happy inwardly, looking at each other, and how can I please you, Josh, and make sure you and Hope are happy and everything like that. No, 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 no. The aim is Josh and Hope. Yes, I love you guys. You're amazing. But how do you lay down your life for this upcoming generation? Because the Bible says in Psalm 84 that blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Blessed are those that set their hearts on pilgrimage. And we are passing through this earth, going to eternity, and not wanting to waste our lives, living a safe, comfortable British life, paying off our mortgages, but rather living on pilgrimage, where it says, blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Not the, Guess who sets it? You. If you want to set your heart on the next Netflix show or the next, you know, series coming out and Love is Blind, Becky, or whatever it is, I don't know what your guys' vibes are. Um, but here's the thing. How many of you are tired of going on Netflix and not being able to find something to watch, even though it's the most content we've probably ever had in the world and history, and yet you can scroll through Netflix singing, what's next? Come on. You know why? Because it leaves you wanting, 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 wanting. Why not rather say, I want to lay down my life for the local church, for the house of God, and say, this is the house of the living God. The church of Jesus Christ was not an optional extra. It's not like I can be a Christian and be spiritual without the local church. The local church is at the very center and plan and cause and purpose of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to die, he came to die to build a church. A church that the gates of hell would not prevail against. A church that could not be stopped by any plan or purpose of the devil. And then when I look at the local church and I question, I was like, man, it's hard work sometimes. But you know what? I believe in the church. I believe in laying down my life for serving this community. I believe in what God's doing here because this community can change the world. And you have a decision to make. What will you do? Will you sit Sunday after Sunday after Sunday waiting, looking for how you can be entertained or receive something? Or are you going to sit and say, actually, how can I partner in the purpose and plan of God for this house? Because there is a generation longing and waiting for the gospel to be coming through your heart. You will reach people that I could never reach. You will speak to people that I will never meet. You will be a person that encounters people out there in the world that need Jesus Christ. They will never walk into this building. You need to know that God's hand is upon you. Amen. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm excited today if you didn't know that. Um, but I'm, I'm going to, I don't oh gosh, I don't know where I'm going to go here. Uh, you know what? Let's just wing it. Let's go for it. Who's ready? Luke 13. Uh, we're going to jump into the scriptures here. Um, like I said, I'm warning you, I haven't preached in like six, seven weeks, so I'm, who knows what's going to happen today. Uh, I've got some fresh revelation from the Lord, and I'm excited. Come on. Luke 13, verse 31. God is doing something. Amen, friends. He is doing something. And the house of God is the first plan of God. Did you know that his intent and purpose was that through the local church, a manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the heavenly realms? You know, I have friends who, I'm sorry, I'm going to go a little bit longer. I'm going to say, get to Luke 13. Did you know that the local church, what we do here to, on a weekly basis is the number one plan of God. The local church is the hope of the world. I firmly, you're like, isn't Jesus the hope of the world? Yes, but who's this body? The local church. And so often, I, I, 
me and Anna made a decision when we got married. We said, no matter how much struggle we go through in a local church, no matter what happens in a local church, we will always be a part of a local church. We will always be there Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, laying down our lives, whatever that looks like, whatever way we can serve the body of Christ. If it meant that our marriage was struggling and we needed to just work on our marriage and just be a part of True Life Church or whatever that looks like, we would do that. Why? Because when I walk in here on a Sunday and I see you serving and laying down your lives, I think it can be so easy to forget what the bigger picture is of what we're building and what God is building in our hearts. People want to shoot to YWAM. They want to go to a parachurch organization and go and serve in ministry. Let me tell you something, my friends. I believe that the plan and purpose of God is mission should be central in the local church. Not a parachurch, but in the local church. I have a firm conviction of that. I have friends that want to, you know, because we all like the exciting new thing of going, you know, and being free. And, you know, we millennials, we don't want to settle. You know, it's like we like all this stuff. But the reality is God calls us to be rooted and planted in community. You know, with Jeremiah, he he said, you need to settle down and build and plant. And it's so easy to want the latest conference, the latest, you know, where's God moving now? We're going to jump there, jump there. But you know what? Family is the core essence of what Jesus died for. You know, when Josh and Grace have their wedding next month, hey, do you know that's as spiritual as going on a mission trip? Oh, that's offended some people. Did you know it's as spiritual when you wake up in the morning and open your emails, you can make that as an act of worship to the Lord your God. But being part of a community reminds you that. When you come on a Sunday after Sunday, it's about building family together because family will outlive any program that we have as True Life Church. Family will outlive anything. It's about relationship, guys. It's not about an institution. I always wanted to be part of a relational wineskin of doing church, not a denominational one. Not one where we're bound together by all of, you know, we have this statement, we all, you know, tick every single box, we all agree on absolutely everything. And if we disagree, then we break off and we, we splinter out. No, no, no. The relational wineskin means we relate primarily. It's built on relationship, not on just agreement on every single dot and comma. Amen. Did you know True Life Church, we were called to plant churches in the nations of the earth. Did you know that this church is going to plant churches throughout the world? Did you know that people in this church will be sent into the farthest parts on the corners of this globe? Did you know that that could be you? <laughs> Ashoka in Hawaii. <laughs> Who's with me? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Did you know that some of you, I've never ever thought about potentially being sent into the nations of the earth, but God is looking down and he's saying, who will go? And all he's waiting for is someone to say, here I am, send me. And you might be sitting here from a foreign country, and I say this all the time, South Africans, you are not here to infiltrate Britain with your South African culture. It's not that good. <laughs> okay, I'll just show you. <laughs> Yeah, I still got my accent, guys, so I can say these things. We are here to serve and love this nation. We are not here to talk about the negatives of this nation. We're here to call the glory out of this nation. Come on. Don't complain about the weather. 
I'm rebuking you right now. <laughs> if that's why, it's, if it feels sore, that's true. That's good. <laughs> you know what we say, and then me, when it goes into winter, we say, this is very snuggly weather. I know, it's our marriage, guys. This, I say it for Anna's sake, you know. I wouldn't normally say snuggly, you know what I mean? <laughs> but we say, we change the narrative because here we here to serve nations. Sorry, I'm going to read a scripture to you because I'm going all over the place. Is this okay? I, I do. Ap- yeah, I'm just going to do it. Um, it says this: the oracle, or this that word for oracle is massa, which means burden. Can you say burden? burden. That Habakkuk the prophet received. Can you say received? received? Anyone heard of Habakkuk? Who wants to name their kid Habakkuk? Calbra, I think that your son can, I've got a name for him. <laughs> Too late, eh? <laughs> Eli, good name. It says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Anyone looked at the world and thought something is wrong with this world? Anyone looked at this world and thought the injustice around us, this doesn't seem right. Something is not working in our world today. This is what Habakkuk's going through, and he says, why do you tolerate wrong? Anyone ask that question? God, where are you? Why is it you tolerate these things? Why is it you don't just step in and stop them? And it says this, destruction and violence are before me. Anyone been watching the news? There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. But then you know what? The Lord's answer to him is this. He doesn't come into the smallness of his questions or the bigness of them. But this is the Lord's answer. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So God's answer to someone looking at the injustice of the world and looking at everything that's wrong is not look at here's the theological answer or here's what you know this means and that means is here's how I'm good and there's suffering in the world. No, 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 no. What's his answer? He says, look at the nations and watch and be amazed. You know, guys, I think every single one of us in this room should have a heart for the nations of the earth. Every single person here should have a burning desire praying for nations in the world. Every one of us should be looking at people groups that have never heard about Jesus Christ and saying, God, what part can I play in reaching that nation? Because there's something about when we lift our eyes away, we're not looking just at each other and wondering how wonderful and beautiful or ugly or whatever it is that you're looking at. Uh, We are. We're looking at the nation of the world, and saying, God, give me the nations as my inheritance, the ends of the earth as my possession, Psalm 2 verse 8. What are you asking for today, guys? I'm believing, God, we're going to be sending people out of this church sooner than even you could imagine, because while True Life's church's success will not be measured by how many gather here on a Sunday, but by how many we send into the nations of the earth and raise up to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. Because here's the thing, what's the point of us growing a massive mega church 
and it's all built around one or two personalities whilst everyone sits and spectates rather than participates in the plan and purpose of God. What is the point? I want to see you raised up and sent. Those that couldn't even believe it for themselves. Josh and Hope, get ready. We just got the keys to our house in Tonneton. Yay! Sell it. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. We're so excited for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny, hey? Oh, gosh. Toddington. Mm. Nice village. Let's throw a bomb for the nations in there, hey? Not an actual bomb, but a, you know what I'm saying, hey? <laughs> awesome. Uh, in Luke 13, verse 31, it says this. In Luke 13, verse 31, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus. And they said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Can you say kill you? How many of you would want to leave if the leader of a nation was after killing you? How many of you have had a death threat from someone before? Anyone from South Africa? Raise your hands. Okay. No, no I'm just kidding. Everybody, I mean, I had, you know, friends at school that we're threatening each other. Like, I'm going to kill you. You know, like, it's South African. That's how we roll. But then... It, <laughs> Then you know what, you know, I didn't take it seriously. But when Herod, the guy who's leading the army, and you know, the guy that's got some power behind him, says, I'm going to kill you, that's normally when you run. That's not when you stay and say, hey, let's talk about this. That's when you run. But listen to Jesus' reply. He replied, go tell that fox. <laughs> Don't you just love the Bible? Go tell that fox. Now, I've never called someone a fox, but I'm going to do it. Go tell that fox, I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going. Can you say, I must keep going? Can you say like you mean it? I must keep going. Come on. <laughs> Some of you got left behind in that one, but that's cool. I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. I've called this today, which is not really a title fit for the purpose, but I say, I must keep going. Because so often in our lives, we stop going. We stop going as soon as things get tough. As soon as things get hard, what do we do? We don't keep going, we stop going. We, yeah, let's be honest with ourselves. Is, would many of us stay Christians if it meant dying? Okay, that went down really, really well. <laughs> this is a nice encouraging word for everyone here today, hey? Because, you know, so, uh, Eden, welcome back to the promised land. Um, it's really great having you from Ireland visiting us. We sent Eden to Ireland, um, and he's come back, and he's felt convicted to move back here. So... <laughs> I'm just prophetically speaking, like, you know, for you guys. But, uh, no, Eden, it's been a joy having you. But I was saying to Eden, you know, ultimately, when you look at Jesus Christ, you look at the goal, the, the purpose of God, is so many times in these conferences, the modern-day Western way of Christianity that we built in the West, in Britain specifically, I look at discipleship and I wonder, are we going to make it? Are we going to make it through the trials and storms that could come in our future? 
Or will we just say, oh, no, I'm just going to be politically correct and try and stay, you know, not drop away any feathers, not offend anyone, whatever. Or are we going to say, I'm going to hold to the truth of God's word and pursue God with all of my heart, and I will keep going no matter what, even if I get told I'm going to die. Amen. Because Jesus was not going to allow someone to intimidate him from his prophetic destiny. He was going to keep going. And you know where he was going to? His death. So I wonder in his mind, maybe he's thinking, I'm going to die anyway. So why should I fear this death? And maybe when you look at fear in your life, maybe the fear, things that you're fearing the most is because you haven't got a greater fear, the fear of the Lord. It's true. You know, if your friend wants you to smoke weed, but you're scared of your mother, which do you fear more? If you fear your mother more, you're not smoking the weed. If you fear your friend more, you're going to smoke the weed. Okay, that, that was, uh, I thought that was a good illustration of the cup, but anyway, I see the parents all nodding, like, yeah, better fear me, boy. You know, but, but you begin that youth ministry there. That's where that needs to be. But, um, no, that wasn't a personal illustration. That was for Brad. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Brad's like, Jesus, so he hasn't done anything wrong. Um, Luke 13, verse 10, Jesus had just healed someone. But it says this, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman, can you say a woman, please? Was there who'd been crippled. Can you say crippled? By a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. Jesus is teaching in a synagogue, and what he sees is a woman there who had been crippled for 18 years. Can you say 18? How many of you know 18 years is a long time? Some of you, that's pretty much your life, right? 18 years is a distant memory to me, but when I had my 18th birthday, that would be a long time to have that entire period of your life not being able to walk, is what this lady had experienced. And you know what's so interesting for me? It's for 18 years she'd been crippled by a spirit. It says specifically a spirit. A demonic spirit had crippled her and she was bent over that she could not straighten up at all. That another translation says she could not lift herself up at all. She had tried, but she could not. Have any of you ever found yourself in a place where no matter how hard you try, it feels like you constantly cannot lift yourself up in an area of your life? Have any of you ever felt like you're just constantly bent over with guilt, with shame, with condemnation, with whatever questions about God and His existence? Whatever it is, you feel this constant place where you cannot straighten up. This woman had experienced it for 18 years. And you know what's interesting? She still showed up. She still showed up. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Heard about a miracle working God. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. She still showed up. Did you know most of your discipleship is not done with moments? It's done with persistence. It's not done with just a moment where you raise your hands at the camp and you feel the goosebumps and it's all googly boogly. You're like, no, no, no. I don't know what that means. But anyway, it's not often those moments are great when you get them, but those will not be sustainable for the rest of your life. 
You know where most discipleship happens? Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday showing up. And when you decide to make a decision in your life, as Hebrews 10.25 says, let's not give up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another, that you come to a place of encouragement where we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Where we say, actually, you might be crippled here now, but guess what? Jesus is able to lift you up. Because the Bible says in verse 12, it says, when Jesus saw her, he called her forward. And he said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Don't you just love it that this woman was bent over that she could not see Jesus. But when she could not see him, he saw her. That sometimes in your life, you might be sitting there and say, I can't see God right now. I want to encourage you, my friend. He can see you. And he does see you. And you know what he does? He calls you forward. He doesn't send you backward. He calls you forward. And he says to you, you are set free. And immediately she stands up. You know what I love about this? Where it says she could not straighten up at all. That word at all is a Greek word only used two times in the New Testament. Only twice. This time where it says she could not straighten up at all. No matter what she tried, she could not. No matter how much she tried, she could not. No matter how much religion she put in, she could not get free. Whatever it was, week after week. But you know what's amazing? Hebrews 7.25, the only other occurrence of this word is in Hebrews 7.25, where it's talking about Jesus being the great high priest who has a permanent priesthood. And remember, the high priest was the one who represented the people to God. So when the high priest was good, the people were good. If he was bad, the people died. That's how it worked. He was a substitution between the people and God. And it says this about Jesus. Hebrews 7 verse 25, therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save completely, that word completely is the same word used here, which means to the uttermost, those who come to God through him. You know what's amazing? Jesus is the one who's able to save, how much? Completely what you could not save yourself from when you were crippled over. Who's able to save you? Only one person, Jesus Christ. And he's able to save you to the uttermost, which means he's able to save you completely. Whatever area you're sitting there and you just think, I cannot stand up in this area, Dylan. You don't know. I've tried and tried and tried. I want to tell you something. He sees you. He calls you. And he saves you. That is the God that we serve. Amen. You are sitting there and saying, well, Dylan, my business, my marriage, my insecurity. Anyone know what insecurity is? <laughs> are we all secure and 100% secure and we're not... Uh, Insecure at all? No? Yes? Okay. How many of you have ever thought that you're secure and then something happened and you feel very insecure? <laughs> How many of you are like, I thought I dealt with that? Someone makes a joke. <laughs> it's true. Guys, we, 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 we're the worst. Eh? I, I, I remember my brother saying, Dylan, you stink. To this day, I still have issues about that. Like, right? my wife knows this. She's like, why are you bathing again? I'm like, just in case. You know? <laughs> After going to Kenya, that broke it. It broke it, just stinking the whole time constantly. It was just great. Um, 
<laughs> but, but here's the thing, guys. We don't want to lose hope. We don't want to lose either of these hopes on the front row. But we also don't want to lose hope in Jesus Christ. I don't want you to lose hope, but I want you to show up because there's something. You know, marriages, statistically, if you show up to church week on week on week and you are plugged into a healthy local church, the chances of success in your marriage, percentage-wise, go through the roof. Because there's something about being in God's house that does something to us. It heals us. It restores us. I believe in the sin because you know what? I just know I'm not that good and my life would be in a mess without this. Without being part of a local church, I would be in a mess. You say, did I really? A hundred percent. Anna knows it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no comment. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to politics with that one. <laughs> but I know that I need people around me that challenge, convict. You know, I was on holiday with um, some of my closest, closest friends this week. Brad's one of them. Uh, Tim and Willem are others. These are guys I get to really partner with in life. But you know what's beautiful? Is watching my friends be fathers and learning. Oh, wow. <laughs> Perfect timing, eh? It's time for those same friends to support a brother in a moment of weakness. <laughs> if anyone didn't hear that side, that was a poo. Okay. We family, we just poo in church nowadays. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, redeeming, redemption. Isaiah chapter 40, I'm going to close with this because I do need to close. And I'd like us to sing one more song, just to warn you guys. But Isaiah chapter 40, uh, one of my favorite verses, and it's funny, some of the prophetic stuff that was coming out this morning, It says this, why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Anyone ever felt like that? Where you've asked God, you said, God, why is it that my way seems to be hidden from you? Wherever I go, there seems to be trouble. Things seem to go wrong. It seems like my cause, you don't even care about my cause anymore. It's almost like, God, I'm just on my own out here and I need some help. And you know, I love this. It's the response of God. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Isaiah 40 verse 28. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. Worship team, would you guys mind coming up please? He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope or wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. These verses have been some of the most encouraging verses in times of difficulty in my life. But I can tell you one thing, they ring true. Every single season where it gets difficult, you know what, when you get tired, anyone tired in spirit, in the drought in their spirits, you know what I want to say? Wait on the Lord. 
There's something about waiting and expectation on God that something happens, something changes, something shifts. I, I felt convicted on this. I said, I really need to get a night away and just spend time waiting on God. Because there's something that happens when we wait. Because you know what's interesting? You can either use the word hope or wait. Same, same word when you translate it. You can, some translations will say those who wait on the Lord. My translation says those who have hope in the Lord. Why? Because when you wait on someone, you have hope that they're coming. Unless, like my mother, she left me at school once and I was waiting. I just need to get this out there, you know, just today. <laughs> and I was waiting. And then I started crying and crying because <laughs> I was soft. But um, then my mom came because she had forgotten only once. I mean, in like 18 years of raising a son, uh, two sons, I only got forgotten. Oh, no, it was my gran, actually. It wasn't you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Guys, 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 guys. Give me a moment. Uh, <laughs> but you know what's interesting is I, I could always wait in ex expectation that my mom or my gran were coming to fetch me. Why? Because I believed that they were coming. I could have hope that they would be there. I didn't start trying to make another plan. Why? Because I knew they'd been faithful time and time and time again. And sometimes what we do is we allow one moment where we think we've been forgotten. We think we've been forgotten for longer than we would like. And then we change our perspective on waiting on God. Rather than saying, actually, I'm going to wait faithfully on the Lord Jesus, knowing that he will renew my strength. And some of you need your strength renewed today. And I really feel like he's going to give strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak today. Amen. So can I encourage you, if you have any prophetic words for people, please share them. You know, Anton Ilsa, anything you have to share, go for it. Sometimes there's this call out saying, well, they guess, Libuani, it's so good having you back. We've missed you. We have missed you. I was thinking like, where, when are you getting back? I knew it was a while, but I didn't know it was that long. But it's, it's good. You're not allowed going away that long again, okay? No, but it's great having you back. But the giftings in this church, let's activate them. Let's release them. And let's enjoy God now as we think. So can we stand? I'd like to pray for you. Just to say, we've got Diervalt and Angelina preaching at Slough River Church today. They've got a good relationship there, sowing into that community, building there apostolically. So we want to pray for them. But also, we want to pray. Uh, Tim... Uh, Brad and I, as couples, we go into a church planting thing on Tuesday. Please be praying because the connections there spread us across the world with opportunities of what God's doing. And it's incredible what God is doing. It's an encouragement. But please be praying for us just to be a blessing whilst we're there as well. But let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are here today. We thank you that your word is true today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, where people are bent over with all kinds of crippling things in their lives. We thank you that you see them and you call them forward to healing and restoration. Holy Spirit, come and ignite something in hearts now. I pray for fresh perspective, a fresh perspective of True Life Church's purpose. 
of being real radical and relational in the city, reaching the lost generation that we'd see a found generation as a result of what you do in this house. Holy Spirit, come and release your presence now, I pray. Those that would wait on the Lord would renew their strength. They will soar. Another translation, they will mount on the wings like eagles. Father, take people to heights that they never thought they could go. Raise them up, we pray. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come and have your way, Lord. Come and have your way. Come and have your way. Shania, will you mount on wings like eagles? I see the Lord just a mounting onto, I don't know what it looks like to get on the wings of an eagle, but you are mounting on the wings of an eagle right now. There's fresh perspective beyond any circumstance, an eagle flies above, and you are mounting on that today. Jesus, I pray right now for those that are just needing to get on the wings of an eagle to just worship now and hope and waiting on you. In Jesus' name.